Welcome to the sixth episode of Innovation Matters, a podcast brought to you by Netherlands Innovation Network. My name is Barbara Vivel, and I'm an advisor for innovation, technology, and science. Today, we will discuss the use of AI in healthcare in Singapore. How can AI be used as a strategy to deal with a healthcare system under pressure, and how do doctors and patients respond to it? How has COVID impacted healthcare over the last year in Singapore? And we will talk about Selena Plus, the AI tool that was developed for detecting risk of vision loss in diabetes patients. This episode is broadcasted from Singapore. So we are here today not with one guest, but four. Welcome, everyone. Thanks, Barbara, for the kind invitation um, you know, to share in the Innovation ne- ne- uh, Network uh, of Netherlands. And uh, it's a great pri- uh, privilege to be here to co- co-moderate the session with you. Uh, my name is Daniel. Um, I'm, I work as a retina surgeon, but I'm also the head of the AI and digital innovations for the Singapore Eye Research uh, Institute. And um, today is a great privilege to be here. Uh, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Tian Wong. Uh, I'm also an ophthalmologist, uh, and uh, I have worked on uh, many different aspects of ophthalmology, but also in general healthcare. Uh, part of my role is uh, not only to manage the Singapore National Eye Centre, but also the broader ecosystem under the SingHealth Duke NUS uh, Academic Medical Centre uh, Enterprise. Hi, I'm Gavin Tan. I'm also an ophthalmologist. And within the Singapore National Eye Centre, I help to run our ocular reading centre and our digital transformation office. Hi, uh, my name is Liu Yong. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm working in ASTAR, Institute of High Performance Computing, as a computing uh, as a computer scientist uh, working in the area of healthcare AI. In Singapore, the first COVID case was seen on 23rd of January 2020. Since then, Singapore has reacted quickly to the pandemic, among others by the development of AI tools. Examples are a system to predict whether a patient will likely develop a mild or severe pneumonia and an AI platform that finds the optimal combination of COVID drugs. After one year, what do you think are the impacts on the healthcare system that will last? I think if you look at the past one year, several major shifts has happened with the COVID pandemic. The first is this whole concept that the health and society are closely interlinked. You cannot have a society that functions without adequate and a good comprehensive healthcare that Uh, takes care of the entire population. The second is that COVID-19 has suggested the need to protect not only the safety of patients, but also physicians, as well as the larger healthcare infrastructure. What this means is that you cannot have an overburdened healthcare system, whereby if you have too many patients, uh, you will put both patients, physicians at risk, and you will overwhelm the healthcare infrastructure, leading to very disastrous consequences. When do patients need to be seen? Who needs to be seen? Who needs to be admitted to hospitals? Who can be monitored at home? And who really uh, do not have either serious illnesses or do have conditions that require them to be managed by physicians? Traditionally, healthcare has been a bricks and mortar uh, system whereby patients have to physically come to a specific location for treatment. AI and digital technology now allows 
the extremely exciting potential, which has been seen in many different settings and many different countries, to upskill physicians, healthcare providers and administrators, and even patients so that they are comfortable to be monitored at home, to be using technology to help screen and to detect diseases, uh, to tailor their treatment, as well as to uh, manage uh, even the appointments and online payments. So I would say that COVID-19 has had really a major impact on healthcare, not just uh, uh, around the world, but in many different settings. Already long before this pandemic, Singapore has been dealing with increasing pressure on the healthcare system due to an aging population and more chronic diseases. Singapore developed a national AI strategy with the aim of increasing the adoption of AI in healthcare, among other sectors. By 2030, Singapore aims to become a worldwide leader in deploying impactful AI solutions. One of the flagship AI projects under this strategy is Selena Plus, a tool to detect diabetic retinopathy, an eye condition that can cause vision loss and blindness in people who have diabetes. So, so uh, at Singapore National Eye Center and Eye Research Institute, um, we've had a, a, this is actually probably a 10-year uh, effort where what we have tried to do is to try to understand where artificial intelligence can improve um, the interpretation of imaging data and help doctors make better diagnosis or replace certain functions where we no longer need a human operator to make a diagnosis. So the key example where we've reached the stage of uh, implementation um, is in diabetic retinopathy screening. And diabetes is a very common illness. It's the worldwide 21st century plague of developed living. So there are lots of people with diabetes in the world. What is often unrecognized is up to a third of them will have eye disease. And diabetic eye disease is actually a leading cause of vision loss in the younger working age adults worldwide. So in order to tackle this condition, it's very important in this particular disease of diabetic eye disease or diabetic retinopathy, screening and early pickup of the patients are important because if you can intervene or if you can increase their con systemic diabetic control at the stage where the disease is mild or asymptomatic, you can have a significant impact on the long-term vision-related outcomes. Um, how screening was done probably 30 years ago was with the patient going to their physician or ophthalmologist to physically do that face-to-face -face check with the eye. Um, diabetic eye disease screening is one of the instances where telehealth has already preceded um, COVID in terms of introduction. So we have had tele-screening for diabetes and diabetic retinopathy in many countries, including Singapore. I think in the Netherlands, I won't be surprised if it's already done as well, where Diabetic patients go and get their, a photograph of their eye taken, and these images are sent over distance to an operator, whether it's an optometrist, a grading technician, or a physician, who reviews these images and gives an outcome to the patient, which then determines their management or what they do next. So what we've tried to do is to, in a way, automate this process. So using the data that we have from our telehealth program, We've used the imaging outcomes to train an artificial intelligence um, in order to interpret these images, to give the same kind of diagnostic 
outcomes that we would have done with humans in the screening program. And we've shown that this artificial intelligence algorithm is effective, has an e fairly equivalent sensitivity, specifically accuracy as our existing human grading system. And how do patients um, respond to this? So in a way, because this first introduction is screening, that makes the introduction perhaps more palatable to everybody else because you, you may not take a end treatment or management decision based on screening. Screening allows you to identify persons at risk who are then sent to the physician ophthalmologist who will then make the further management decisions. So it's, it's a great solution here and a very easily acceptable solution because it did not impact the physician's day-to-day um, -day process that much. Uh, it, it, if anything, it actually picked up more patients who needed care in the physician. So it may result in the physician becoming more busy in that instance. But we know as the use of this technology changes and progresses, um, there will be many more, I, I don't know whether opportunities is the right word for, for it to have, to cause some disruption or paradigm shifts in the way we function. You could say that diabetes is a worldwide epidemic. The number of people with diabetes is rapidly increasing and about 10% of Singapore adults suffer from diabetes. And this number is expected to double by 2050. That makes developing an AI tool for this disease not only very impactful, it also means you have loads of data. Need is always a big driver. Um, if it's a condition that affects 10 people, obviously the incentive to, to develop a solution is less. But the need, the numbers doesn't just represent the need, but it also represents the, the resource that we have available because you do need a large amount of data and artificial intelligence, a lot of these uh, big data, data science applications is uh, data hungry. So targeting a disease that had both high need as well as high prevalence did make it kind of an easier target as well um, because it's easier to train the algorithm, it's easier to show to administrators, um, healthcare policymakers that there is a particular need that needs to be fulfilled and that makes acceptance a lot easier. So coming back to the technology behind Selena Plus, it is based on the AI system detecting anomalies in an image. AI algorithms can identify imaging features very, very well, better than humans as it's shown in many, many cases. So I think in the area where you need to diagnose, prognosticate, or, or gain, interpret, um, ascertain more information for an image, it would work well. And so this would, would be applied across specialties because the reality today is that uh, imaging is in a very important part of medical practice. It allows us to uh, identify conditions that we can't see with regular physical examination. And the amount of imaging resource or data that's being collected, it's huge. People like to say imaging is re restricted to radiology, but it's not. Every single specialty has their own form of imaging. Sometimes it involves radiology, sometimes it does not. But that's where probably the lowest hanging fruit um, lies and it's probably where it's going to be the easiest in terms of scaling and, and developing uh, accurate and effective algorithms. And I just wanted to actually also take this opportunity to ask uh, you know, uh, Yong about uh, you know, com coming from a computer scientist uh, standpoint, 
I'm sure a lot of the clinicians will come to you, hey, my healthcare system needs to do digital transformations. Uh, can you help me to do that? And in, in fact, uh, before even we take it forward, and can we perhaps take a step back and uh, perhaps you can explain to us a bit more what artificial intelligence is. So uh, basically AI refers to artificial intelligence, which is a very big uh, uh, term. It basically covers all the techniques, for example, machine learning, uh, deep learning. Basically AI means to train a computer system to make it behave uh, like a human. Uh, deep learning is uh, actually a subset under machine learning. Deep learning refers to deep neural networks. So basically the system tries to imitate how human brain works. Uh, for example, we use something called neurons in deep learning system. And the deep learning system consists of many layers of such uh, neurons. Uh, we call multiple layers of uh, neural networks. So they are all connected in the same way that our, how our brain uh, are working. So in that case, uh, we also give the different signals. For example, we give data, we also give the label uh, to the deep learning system. And when the system make a mistake, we give some uh, penalized signal to penalize the system. When the system get it right, we give some reward to the system. So by training the system in this way, the deep learning system becomes smarter and smarter, which are able to achieve better uh, performance. It even outperform human for certain tasks. I think maybe that a very good example is the Selena Plus. It's what the uh, government is working on. Uh, basically, uh, train uh, a deep learning system with a lot of uh, retinal images. Some are normal, some are abnormal. For example, have certain disease, uh, have uh, uh, diabetes, retinopathy. So in this case, we fit all the data into the computer system the deep learning system, such that the deep learning system can capture what is wrong, what is normal. So uh, by doing this, the system is able to achieve very high uh, performance by detecting the, the abnormal retinal images from the normal. Can I also just ask Tian or Gavin, like, how many physicians do you guys think understand the term deep learning and, or you know, machine learning in the healthcare system. And and I'm just wondering, like, you know, if out of the hundred, only one or two understand what the terminologies really means, how do we as a, you know, the healthcare ecosystem should uh, be doing more in terms of the educating about the generation in terms of the AI and machine learning, deep learning that Yong has just uh, mentioned. Maybe I get started first. I, I think when we start looking at AI, uh, as a platform technology for healthcare, then obviously we are talking about going to some fundamental understanding of this technology. Uh, I would say that if you look at genetics and molecular biology, which started in the 1960s and 70s with uh, discovery of DNA uh, and the genetic footprints, it's taken maybe 20, 30 years before physicians and even the public understands what is a gene, uh, how is it transmitted, what does it mean to have a genetic diagnosis. So I think similarly we are approaching AI and digital technology, how it applies to healthcare and how much do they know I think requires probably five, maybe ten years of understanding before uh, 
physicians and patients are comfortable with it. So we are really at the beginning of a new revolution uh, of platforms that uh, physicians need to know. And, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's certainly not going to happen with uh, one to two years because uh, it, it takes time. I don't think it will take 30 years uh, like in the older technology because uh, of the rapid uh, uh, increase in information and, uh, and compression of some of this technology to help. So yeah, I agree. This is going to be a marathon and not a sprint. But I, I don't necessarily think um, you're going to need um, physicians to, need, uh, to require kind of a deep dive intimate knowledge on the workings of how artificial intelligence works. I think like in any introduction of medical technology, they should have a brief understanding. But what's much, much more important is they understand how to deal with it, uh, how to um, interpret the data that, that shows the useful or the utility of AI, how to utilize it effectively, and very, very important in medicine, as always, how to scrutinize something new to ensure it's really beneficial. Because uh, as we know, with a lot of new technologies, drugs, and so on and so forth in medicine. Um, new is not always better, um, and it's important that, that physicians scrutinize uh, new technologies and, and find the right place to use it um, most effectively. And I think we're really enabled by the fact that uh, AI is not an abstract technology like genetics. Um, AI is, is a thing that's going to affect every single part of your daily life in the next um, few decades to come. So the fact that it's, it's a technology that's going to be so pervasive is going to help its introduction and increase the, the success of its acceptability. I think uh, if I, you look at COVID, what COVID has done, has it has made a lot of the public really interested in science and technology. And that has been positive. I mean, if you have looked at one year ago, people would not even understand vaccines. Uh, and they will not have scrutinized the uh, different trials or the different types of vaccines, ask all sorts of very challenging questions. Is it safe? Is it effective? Can it be uh, used in older people, in younger children? The, uh, what works in one country doesn't work in another country, right? All these are very fundamental concepts of uh, technology. In COVID-19, the vaccine strategy has therefore allowed people to assess technology uh, in healthcare in a very different way. I would anticipate that one day when AI is used to predict uh, people with cancer or with heart disease, they will ask the same question. Uh, is this technology safe? Is it effective? Does it work for me? Uh, you know, how large has the trials been done? Uh, how long do we know about it? So it's a positive part of COVID-19 uh, and AI will hopefully fall inside this very compressed timeline for us to be able to use this technology. So I, I think that's very interesting. Um, so you're seeing that besides the impact COVID has had on the healthcare system itself and on digitalization, it has also changed um, your interaction with patients because it made them more aware, take on a more proactive role in their diagnostics and treatments, um, which is, in your opinion, a good thing. Yeah, I think it is a, it's a, actually a good problem. Uh, and maybe I'll give that analogy, right? Again, online payments, the financial sector has been really challenged and uh, impacted by the technology. And you would want, in the financial sector, you still would have 
financial consultants, you might have a lot of electronic platforms for trading and so forth. What you want is a public that is that is engaged, that's knowledgeable, uh, and it makes the financial consultants' uh, jobs much more easier. It doesn't mean that you don't have the financial consultants, but you know when the public uh, is fully engaged and understands uh, the information, the risks, and the benefits, uh, it makes so much more easier for people to plan for their uh, uh, wealth and as well as their financial needs. Similarly, we would expect that patients that are with much better knowledge uh, of uh, any technology uh, and coming with information will only help physicians make better decisions, informed decisions, and therefore overall lead to better healthcare. I think it's going to be a win for everybody. few big areas just now we have computer vision we have the reinforcement learning technique is there any other big areas in the AI and machine learning that you know we should uh, actually uh, be aware of uh, besides computer vision reinforcement learning machine learning uh, there's something called a uh, natural language processing NLP also a big area in AI uh, we are also seeing a lot of uh, interesting applications of NLP in healthcare. For example, uh, Daniel and I, we are working closely on a project to develop a chatbot to answer user queries. Uh, for example, COVID-related queries. For example, eye disease-related uh, uh, queries. As you mentioned just now, people are now trying to use Dr. Google to Google a lot of information uh, when they have certain symptoms. But the information from Google is very messy. There are so many sources of information. Sometimes patients may get confused. Which website give me the best uh, information? So in this case, uh, if we develop such a chatbot for our patient, because all the information are curated by our experts and venue, so patient can get the right information in the right context. So that's one uh, big application. The other application of NLP is to analyze the medical reports written by the doctors. So these medical reports actually it's very useful to train the AI system. Uh, yeah, the current way to train AI system is uh, human graders or doctors like Daniel need to give out of labels to the medical images. This process is very tedious and very time consuming. But if we are able to uh, mine the medical reports and use the information extracted from the horse to train the AI system that can save a lot of efforts from the human graders. So which can unlock a lot of uh, uh, data to train the AI system. That's another application of NLP. This is it for now. But next week we will be back with another episode with these same guests. And we will talk about the challenges in AI and health related to data availability, um, data accessibility, sharing tools, etc. In the meantime, if you want to stay updated on Innovation Matters and events in Singapore or between Singapore and the Netherlands, you can follow us on our LinkedIn page, um, Netherlands Innovation Network Singapore. Thank you so much for listening and hope to see you next week.